AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Corn and wheat futures basically treaded water today with both markets sticking close to unchanged. The soy complex, however, remained on the defensive as traders try to figure out just how much weather premium should or maybe shouldn't be included in prices. And livestock markets were mostly higher, even as the cash cattle trade tries to find its way to higher prices. Live from a hump in the barometric pressure via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we'll chat with Scott Barlick of Coima Coima Barlick. And directly following the news, Todd Bubba Horwitz from BubbaTrading.com. I'm the handsome newsman, Davis Michelson. Now, say hello to the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Laurie. All right, hey, Davis. Hey, thank you so much. Uh, kind of a pretty day up here in northeast Iowa. 23 degrees and the sun is shining. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. little increase in the barometric pressure on this yeah. hump day, would you say? Yeah, got a bump in the I barometric pressure. Yeah, I see it. There you go. I goes. see it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, welcome to AgriTalk. Glad that you're with us. We're talking cattle today. And not just the fundamentals of the cattle market, not just the supply and demand issues, uh, not just price outlook, but we're also going to be talking about some of the tools that are available for risk management. All right. And uh, this bloodbath that we saw in live cattle trade and feeder cattle trade from September into the first part of December in particular, really kind of showed some of the vulnerabilities uh, that are out there in the marketplace. We're going to mm-hmm. talk about some of that with Scott Varley today. The, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting show. I'm ready to learn. Okay. I, but then again, every time Scott's on, I'm ready to learn. <laughs> you know what? In this conversation, I think I am ready to take the bull by the antlers and just learn everything I can. <laughs> it's a good thing. Be careful <laughs> doing that this time of the year. They're ready to shed, you know. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> bonus gift (laughs) yeah no doubt no doubt all right we got bubba coming up here in just a little bit so we probably better get started what you got in the market news chip wheat futures hung out close to unchanged for much of the session with hard red futures pulling prices modestly lower and spring wheat futures trying to limit losses soft red winter wheat trade was caught in the middle with march futures posting an inside trading range with a high range open and close SRW futures are finding resistance at the downtrend drawn off the latest highs with supports at uh, support at six bucks gaining strength. Traders also note Ukraine continues to find success moving yeah. product through alternative routes, limiting demand for U.S. wheat exports. March HRW wheat futures were two and a half cents lower, six twenty four and one half. March SRW wheat up three quarters of one cent to six ten and three quarters. March spring rate closed at seven oh seven and three quarters. That's up two and one quarter cents, Chip. You know, every time it looks like maybe the situation in Ukraine with Russia's aggressions is is going to bring some support to the to the wheat market. And it did for a while. China stepped in because it decided, you know what, maybe I can't get everything that we need Mm. out of uh, Russia, out of Ukraine for the year ahead. They did step in and buy some U.S. soft red winter wheat. 
But now that that demand has been, you know, satisfied, uh, boy, talk about searching for demand. This market mm. is is desperate for some right now. Well, Chip, Brazil's supply-side agency Conab this morning lowered its corn crop estimate by less than 1 million metric tons to 117.6 million metric tons. All of the cut was to the first crop corn tally, and the estimate still includes expectations of a full safrina corn crop. USDA last month put the Brazilian corn crop at 129 million metric tons, and the average trade guess for Friday's USDA update, 125.33 million. Ethanol production weekend at Jan 5, 1.062 million barrels per day. That's up 13,000. Ethanol stocks up 792,000 to a hefty 24.3 million barrels. Today, March corn opened slightly lower and tried to build a selling interest, but retraced early losses to close above the opening range. March corn futures a quarter of a penny higher, 459 and a half. May corn, steady, 471 and a half. July corn futures closed at 481 and a quarter, down three quarters of a cent. Wow, Chip. Yeah, yeah. It, a lot of action for basically going nowhere today right. is what I saw in the corn market. Uh, right. It had to take in a fair amount of information, and, and it absorbed it and digested it, and now it's time to move on and see what we get next. Conab now puts the 23-24 Brazilian bean crop at 155.3 million metric tons, mm-hmm. down 4.9 million from its latest estimate. USDA in December put the crop at 161 million metric tons, and the average trade guess ahead of Friday's update is 156.26 million metric tons. Today, March bean futures opened fractionally higher, and an early attempt to push prices higher was stopped cold by resistance at 12.50. Prices then drifted lower as March beans posted an inside trading day with a close on Session lows. March beans, 12 cents lower, 12.36 and a half. May beans down 11 and one quarter cents, 12.47 and a half. July beans closed at 12.55 and a quarter, down 11 and one quarter cents, Chip. Yeah, March beans bumped higher yesterday, but boy, the downside momentum rebuilt very quickly today. March cotton was 55 points higher today, 80.18. On the livestocks, heavyweight choice graded box beef values jumped buck seventy nine this morning, and select graded boxes jumped 4.11 on good movement. Demand seems to be holding up, Chip, but concern that some market-ready cattle will be carried over to next week's schedule is due to the winter storms capped cash cattle expectations. February fat cattle down two and a half cents, one seventy seventy-five. April futures up seven and a half to one seventy-three sixty-seven and a half. And March feeder futures up a buck twenty-five to two twenty-six twelve and a half. Lean hog futures opened lower but recovered to close near session highs to extend the rally to five consecutive higher closes. February yeah. hogs twenty cents higher. 72.07 and a half in April up 45 to 78.95, Chip. Yeah, it's turned into something in that lean hog market, no question about it. All right, thank you very much, Davis. Let's bring you in, Todd Horwitz, BubbaTrading.com. How you doing, Bubba? What's up, fellas? How are you? Oh, we're doing just fine. What have you learned here in this new year? I learned that the, the new just because the calendar changed doesn't mean that the business has changed. And everything is still pretty crappy. There's no action. There's no real volume. Uh, we're still light on volume across the board in the grain markets. Uh, you know, I guess everybody's waiting for Friday now. I don't know. I mean, it's it, it's pretty frustrating when you look at the bigger picture because there's really a lack of things to do. And yeah. the shorts have total control right now because they just keep pushing. And there's really no buyers to come and take their place. And equities continue to try to push higher, which is, again, a lot of things just don't make sense right now. Yeah. You know, it, you make a good point about waiting for Friday and waiting for this and waiting for that. As soon as we check one item off the list, the market gets back in waiting mode for the next thing, doesn't it? It's a it's a it's a constant waiting game, and that that really tells you 
that there's really not yep. much to do. Yep. You, just, you can protect yourself, and, and that's it, because there's really not much going on. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. Downside risk. You can't ignore what's going on in the grains, can we? I don't think you can ignore it, Crick Chip, but I don't know how much risk there is really to the downside now. I mean, certainly there's always risk, right? But I, uh, to me, the risk would be by being short in these markets, not by being long in these markets. I think that you've come to prices, unless we're just going to have a total meltdown of every single market in the world, which I don't believe to be the case. I think that the, the risk is really about being short in these markets down here because I don't think there's as much money to be made on the short side right now as there would be to be on the long side. And not that you should run out and buy them today, but I think that I wouldn't be a seller here either. I'd rather be an observer with a lean to the blue side, which I, I personally am on the blue side of the cart. So that's okay. where I sit, but it's not exactly comfortable. <laughs> yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, blue side of the cart is a position, but out. Out is a position as well, so need to remember that. 100%. Good. Yep. But, Good stuff, but Bubba. Sell cattle, buy hogs. That's my trade still, baby. <laughs> okay. Selling cattle, buying hogs is also the trade. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you later. All right. That's Scott Horwich, BubbaTrading.com. Coming up next, we've got Scott Barlick, Coima Coima Barlick Trading here on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Our name says it all. Agritalk. What more do you need to know? Welcome back to Agritalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you're with us. Davis is here as well. Hello. Uh, 2023 is going to be remembered for a lot of things, but one of the things that it will certainly be remembered for is the push-up to all-time highs in live cattle prices, feeder cattle futures, and cash prices. Uh, and then that bloodbath that we saw from september into december and the setback and and uh feeder cattle just the the pounding that that market took in a very short period of time for the amount of price pressure that we saw is really going to stand out Uh, we're going to recap a lot of what happened in 2023 take a look forward into 2024 right now with scott varlick from coima coima varlick trading scott it's good to talk with you again, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great, gentlemen. Thanks for having me back. Yep. Glad that you are here because, uh, and I'm glad that you brought this up in a note that, that you sent earlier today about talking about <clears throat> some of the tools that are available to livestock producers. And I'm, I'm looking at the, um, uh, the revenue protection policies in particular. 
uh, LRP contracts because as we went through that big price slide September through December, some of the vulnerabilities of that that risk management tool were exposed, weren't they? Yeah, that's, you know, when we have a market that's going to gonna break that far, you know, it, it took us years to kind of get that rally. And when it starts yeah. breaking, you, you really start to analyze, you know, why. And, uh, you know, the first start of the break, I, I, yeah, I think healthy correction. I think we saw, you know, some long funds unwinding from the market, uh, a market that was, you know, at a very high level. And, and then you do start to find some hedge pressure, um, but the market continued to break, you know, and once we kind of lost the funds long, it couldn't grab up, uh, you know, any footing. And, and towards the end of that break, it uh, it got on the wilder side to where we were seeing, you know, it, it couldn't break fast enough. So you knew that there was some serious pressure on the market and, and really, you know, wondering why and trying to find out reasons. And everybody had a theory and it it just started to highlight uh, some certain issues that we have in the industry and and in the LRP, uh, you know, full disclosure, I, I sell it as well, um, yep. as long as, as well as trading the futures. So, I mean, it is a tool that I use that is a good tool. So don't catch me wrong on that. But right. there's been, uh, you know, a part of using that program that's been highlighted here. Uh, that program, once it got the 35% subsidy boost on it here, uh, about three years ago, um, it, it changed the game. Uh, there, there was many you know hedgers that were using the program, but also you've got got the term subsidy harvesting. That's you yeah. know the big buzzword that everybody's hearing about. I get asked a lot of questions about it, and um, I know a lot about it. So, so what so is it? So subsidy harvesting. You got thirty five percent subsidy on these markets. You've got feeder calves. Uh, that steers weight group two is tied exactly what your index is on the CME futures. Um, the same is so in the lean hog LRPs as well, uh, that when the dates line up, when there's an option that expires and the LRP expires, there you can see the whole 35% price break on the exact same product, basically, the LRP versus the future. So what was happening is, uh, the subsidy harvest, there, there's nothing illegal uh, about holding an LRP policy and a CME futures contract at the same time. So right. there's nothing illegal about it. And, and the RMA USDA knows that, knows that there's, you know, some people that were using this, uh, you know, this system uh, actively. You know, I've, I've been, I dealt with those guys here a couple of years ago. Um, they're very aware of, of what could be happening. And, and I think it just got really highlighted in this last break. So you're going to write an LRP policy on cattle that you do own, and you're going to write it in a feeder calf contract. Okay. And then you are going to go offset the exact same price protection on the board. And at the end, you have that 35% subsidy collected. So right. that's a, that's the, the government subsidy that's offered. And you're basically just squeezing that out of the market. And um, some instances, depending on the volatility, you can be collecting $25 to $40 a head. Um, the, the subsidy harvest to go out to August here just this last week is, is $40 a head. So, I mean, that's, wow. that's what we're looking at. And it, it feels like a larger group of people were catching on to that. And the, the three largest counties in the nation that use LR, uh, feeder calf LRPs are very, they are cattle feeding, uh, they are cattle finishing counties. So okay. we know which, which which group is really using, 
you know, this tool and yep. it, it, it just continued to balloon. So I think you have to margin that short put is your only risk. And it does take margin money. If you hold it all the way till the end, when the LRP goes off, when the puts go off, you have your 35% squeezed out. Um, but you have to margin that put on the way down. And when it continued to break as fast as it did, you still have to come up with the cash up front. And with the high interest rates we had and what we had to pay for feeder cattle, it put a lot of pressure on some of the guys that couldn't handle some of those margin calls on margining that short option. So okay, I think that last part of the flush, yep. we're, you know, it's just our, our suspect that that's part of what it was. Now, this break, I think is yep. only what highlighted what's going on. And now we're talking about it. And, and I think the ears from the RMA are, are more open now okay. that they've heard a lot more about it. So there are some, some policies from some different cattlemen's organizations that are trying to come out to say, Hey, we need to fix this. Um, because if, if there's a lot of subsidy harvesting happening, then, then everybody's going to have to do it. Because if you're going to be bidding on calves in a sale barn against somebody that has a $40 per head advantage on you, uh, then you're forced to play the game too. You know, right. it's, it's going to drag you into it because because you need that advantage as well in a you know a small margin business. So um, so what I, I, so what's being proposed, Scott, to correct this? To me, it looks like a very easy fix. Um, I, I I think they just need to have those dates uh, when they offer LRP. You know, in in say a three day window of when the exact day of those options go off the board that you just don't offer LRP uh, for that three-day window when they line up with the dates uh, that coincide with the CME future. Okay. So that would get the program back to what it's meant for, uh, in my opinion. And I'm not going to be a fan of many people by continuing to talk about this and say, hey, I want to do what's right for the taxpayer. This doesn't seem right that we're just trying to squeeze the taxpayer out of a little bit of money. That's not how how I was raised or how I stand. So um, I will continue to stand this way. But the amount of uh, money that's involved in that program is a it's a large amount. There's a lot of commission tied to it. So uh, there's going to be you know some people that are going to fight back at this. Um, I've heard a lot of those debates, but but that's kind of what's in the works. The the large break is what highlighted that okay we've got a lot of short feeder puts and this feeder market yep. can't find a stop so if it's going to be a part of a 60 dollars break in the feeder market and is going to be part of the reason we broke then then it's definitely something i want to highlight start to fix gotcha. and change uh how we do business there now is subsidy harvesting is this something that exists only in the extreme market conditions that we were dealing with or is this something that's available or and and a, a, a you know, a workable strategy at, at any time. It's a workable strategy at any time. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. The larger flow of cattle you have, the easier it is to manage your numbers. Because um, if you're just a small, you've got one shot, one chance to do it. And the, the lighter calf you have, uh, then the more time you get to squeeze out. And the more time you get to squeeze out, the the more profitable it is for you. But it's, it's one of those uh instances to where we've been loud enough about it and trying to 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 get the fix to happen that if if there's not a fix that happens then then we're all gonna have to change how we do business and we're all gonna have to look at it so and I, but I, I say that just kind of in frustration a little bit but I, I do think um I like what I hear from the the RMA guys they've been excellent to work with and and they're they're listening so uh feel 
really good that what, they're coming up with the solution for that. What what's the what, what's the stand like from Iowa Cattlemen's and so on? Um, I've just only been a part of it. I don't know what official policy they have there, but it's uh, it's being talked about from the Iowa Cattlemen's, and it's been okay. um, been on the forefront there. Uh, you know, also probably looking at this, you know, three day proposal of don't offering the not offering the highest yeah. LRP numbers exactly lining up with the uh, with the dates. I've also heard from some some hog outfits because uh, the it's easy to do it in the hog business as well, uh, just because it's just a steady turn of hogs. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think they're getting really close to coming up with the solution. There is what I hear uh, whether it happens. I guess I can't verify that. Okay. All right. Well, it seems like the the solution, solution, the fix, the whatever you want to call it is would would be fairly simple to implement too. Yeah, I I really think that it's a simple solution and uh it's been, you know, th- th- this has picked up tremendously over the last uh, year here, so I, yeah. I think it's time to address it now while we have gotcha. the attention. Gotcha. Scott Varlick, Coima Coima Varlick Trading is our guest analyst today. Uh, When we come back, we're going to turn our attention to the fundamentals of the cattle market, beef market too, right here on AgriTalk. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes. Where March HRW wheat futures were two and one half cents lower at 624 and one half. March soft red wheat up three quarters of one cent to 610 and three quarters. March corn futures were a quarter of a penny higher, 4.59 and one half at the close. May corn was unchanged at 4.71 and one half. March beans 12 cents lower, 12.36 and a half. May beans down 11 and one quarter cents to 12.47 and one half. March cotton today 55 points higher, 80.18 on the close. On your livestock's February fat cattle were down two and a half cents to 170.75. March feeder futures up one dollar twenty-five cents to two twenty-six twelve and a half, and Bedlin hogs twenty cents higher seventy-two oh seven and one half. Get more market news every market day. Visit tryprofarmer.com. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. If the world is your oyster, we've got pearls of wisdom on AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you're with us. We are in the middle of a conversation 
with Scott Varlick from Coin McCoy Varlick Trading, KKV Trading, and uh, let's jump right back into it. Scott, we've we've got another cattle on feed report coming January nineteenth, and then at the end of the month, we get the cattle inventory report. Uh, what are we going to learn from these reports? I think I have more interest on this cattle inventory report and your your previous. Uh, analyst, I was talking about the, you know, just the liquidity in these markets and how yeah. thin they are. And we, we have that in the cattle market. We've got an open interest that that's very small. We're wondering what we're waiting for to, to take a stance on a direction here, not seeing the funds jumping in. And it's been been a very tough market to trade um, just with not a lot of volume there. So I guess that's putting my focus towards the cattle inventory report and trying to decide. Okay what what we're looking at for a supply side you know the the supply is what we've been chirping chirping about for years we finally got got the proof in 2023 when we hit the record highs and, and there was a reason that we were there because of this small cow herd because of the tight feeder calf supply those were some of the largest reasons that we got to where we did and when i dive into my fundamentals and i'm you know looking at our uh, livestock slaughter, looking at our production uh, decrease. And I'm still just seeing such a similar story that we have not righted the yeah. ship on the supply where we're still seeing the, the heifer to steer slaughter ratio. Uh, one of the biggest I've got, I guess it is the biggest since I got some data back to 2011. That's the highest percentage of heifers versus steers that we've had uh, just this last year. So those heifers are not out here pregnant, ready to have a calf. Uh, they were back in the feed yard. So we have not turned this cow herd around yet. It's still looking like we're tight. So I want to know uh, how tight is this cow herd looking? Uh, I'm not seeing the I'm going to keep my heifers and get them bred uh, story happening up and down the road yet. We've got all this increased uh, costs on the on the raising uh, calf side. Uh, it's a lot of work, takes a lot of labor. Those are two uh, very large issues with how we're going to rebuild this cow herd on a high interest uh, kind of a market when you're trying to borrow money to start something like that. So I, I just st still see all these hurdles, all these challenges that how we're going to get it rebuilt. We got some moisture. We have some moisture coming. Is it going to sustain? Is it going to stay uh, for cow-calf guys? Are they going to have grass? So a lot of questions marks to me revolve around that long-term supply and I think that the feeders are going to be the leaders in 2024. So uh, still feel like that's where I'm pointing. And I think the futures are too. When you look at the deferred markets propped up, they're a pretty good premium compared to the current market. So uh, I, I don't, I think the cat's out of the bag. I mean, everybody's pretty aware. We still have a tight cow herd and we're not sure it's getting rebuilt yet. Well, if the feeders are going to lead in the market, it sounds like a good year for cow calf guys and maybe some e even tighter margins. In the feed yard, and rightfully so. Uh, we're, we're seeing some some tighter margins here, uh, turning the page into this year, and some negative margins for some feed yards. So, uh, with the large break that we had, but it's been uh, the cow calf guys' turn for for quite a while here. I mean, yeah, not yeah. saying the feed yards have been cutting a big swath either, but it uh, it's time for product the production side of the industry to to be profitable and make some money. We've got the the retail prices that are uh, a lot higher, you know, spread the difference between the wholesale price at a pretty large margin. And you've got, you know, profits in the uh, sector of the, the packer sector. So um, I think production 
in the beef industry is what needs to be next before we're going to see this turn around. We get that shot up in 2023. You get to fill your pockets real fast before you start pulling it back out. And I, I think we're going to have to see some more sustained profits before we're going to really see yeah. see it build. And I think the the feeders, yep, going to be the leaders. I think that we're going to be really tight. I already see a lot of these sales that we start the year on, uh, the runs are down. We we placed a lot of those cattle early because the prices yep. were higher. Had a cow-calf guy that wanted to capitalize on that, and he did so. Had a great year because of it. And now I think these feed yards are starting to turn to these runs, and they're already noticing, oh, sale barn A, sale barn B, yep. sale barn C. They're all it's quite consistent. a bit tighter in numbers. So yep. uh, I still think that that cash feeder market is what's going to lead us back uh, to a higher price. Okay. All right, that's some longer-term thoughts. Think shorter-term for me here. Man, it was a beautiful winter up until this week. Yeah, that uh, weather played such a large factor in where we're at in the cattle market right now. It, yeah. Um, just start of the fall through December was the, the, the best cattle feeding weather you could ask for, and it showed up in the weights. It wasn't just a few yards that might have been fighting the market on the break. It was... Every hoof on the ground weighs much more than your sheet says, uh, you know, by the tune of 150 pounds, you know. So, uh, there was there was 1750 pounders, 1850 pounders. Yeah. I mean, they were just up and down the road, so so that really took the leverage away from the producer, uh, you know, puts it in the packer's hands, and uh, your cost of gains really go up when your cattle are that big, and so so it really. You know, we struggled to end the year. We stru struggling a little bit to to start January, um, and finally seeing our first signs of winter here. So we're still in cleanup mode on on large cattle, just because they all are pulled ahead. They all weigh more. But this upfront weather here, we finally have winter coming on us. Like boom, here it is. Uh, start Happy New Year. Now it's winter. Yeah. So uh, I I think you can view it as okay. We did have to you know, cancel some slaughter dates and, and pushing some back. Some loads got canceled. There are three different packers that I know of that are adding Saturdays already this week uh, to try to keep up. And, and the packers are making money, so they're going to want to get some of these cattle moved. But but I think that kind of slipped some leverage back to the packer just to say, yep. okay, we know the numbers are tight, but we've got everything weighing a lot more than expected. Yep. That's going to help them get some of those extra pounds that, that could, you know, maybe they aren't out there in the market, but... I think the storm's more friendly than it is negative, even though we missed a few dates. Okay. I think that's what we needed was some challenge on the gains on some of these cattle. And, and I think that's going to be more of a friendly story later. That's going to be the okay. trump card versus, uh, versus, you know, backing up a day here and there. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, the box beef market took a hell of a tumble uh, here. It, basically after, after uh, the, the holiday featuring, um, but it's found its footing already. It may be finding it a little bit sooner than what I anticipated. What's your thoughts? I think the demand has has just been so amazing for the last, you know, all the struggles we've been through for the last three years. And I still think it's standing pretty firm. But yeah. as I mentioned earlier, some of the retail prices did get, you know, to some loftier levels. But um, I'm starting to look at the sheet here, the the wholesale price. Uh, you know, on all of these different meats, and and I'm and I'm not seeing that we're a bunch over a year ago levels. There, there's quite a few categories that were below a year ago levels. So I think we've maybe maybe we found a little bit of a top. 
what the consumer can pay. And uh, in, in, in maybe we, we've corrected from that. But so I think that the retailers know what these consumers are going to pay. So they pulled it back. We're going to get some of that demand back. Yes, it's January. This is one of our most sluggish uh, demand timeframes that there is. And January is my least favorite month to trade futures in the cattle because that's a little bit of a, a struggle. But um, I think the demand is finding its footing. You know, when I look at these prices compared to a year ago and I, and I look at our economy, I'm trying to decide, okay, what are we breaking these prices because the consumer, you know, couldn't pay it or, or you know, what what's the reason? And that's what I'm trying to wrap my head around. But yeah. Uh, I do think that the high interest rates have maybe weighed on a consumer a little bit over a long period of time. That could be dampening some of it. You know, that's a little bit of a worry, but I do see some of this stock market hitting, you know, record highs and uh, starting to feel like this economy is maybe getting going again. So I guess I have some hope that demand's going to stay good, stay strong. Um, I have no reason to believe that it needs to drop out of bed here anyway. Okay. Okay, so take all of this, put it into one thought here. What are you doing to protect what could be a tighter margin in the feed yards going forward? Yeah, it's been uh, been tough to trade. We've got to be very careful, and you've got to have a plan because your 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 trading plan can get exploited really quick in these kind of markets. And with the volatility we had, and with the very thin trade that yep. we have. Yeah. Option prices are ballooned. They are high. So they are very expensive. So you're gonna if you're gonna be using options, you you gotta be a little bit more aware of what options you can maybe sell to help that. I've had to get more creative with, with some of these strategies. Um so just just to buy and a put, well, that's hard to do right now. <laughs> uh, and that's also with the LRP. I'm looking at some of those prices and oh wow, that's that's a uh, you, you gotta put your seatbelt on before I coach you some of those prices. <laughs> it's, it's it's quite high, so we've got a, a high risk time frame right here. Um, have steered some to to just straight hedging. Otherwise, you you're gonna have to maybe okay. do some other selling of some options as well to try to to try to collect some of that premium to offset the high premium you're paying. So I've had to get quite creative. Plenty of risk out there. Uh, I think we all want a piece of what's coming up. Uh, it's just buying those feeders is gonna be. Uh, is going to be the tough, tough job yeah. to try to do, to try to find them. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one more run at the highs in 24? I think so. I'm holding hope. You know, your last guy yeah. said, what, sell cattle, buy hogs? I thought this was a family show, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I still hold hope that feeders are the leaders, and uh, we're going to see that tight supply rear its head once again. Man, it's always fun to have a conversation with you, Scott. Thank you so much for making time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always fun. All right. That is Scott Varlick, Coima, Coima Varlick Trading. Uh, just uh, a lot to chew on and a lot to think about in that conversation, including uh, what's happening in the LRPs. So uh, Davis and I will be right back to wrap things up here on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. 
The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. We don't make the news, we render it. Agritalk. And welcome back to it, everybody. Your pal, Davis Michelson, here with Chip Flory on Agritalk. Yeah. Glad you've decided to join us for uh, for a little while this afternoon. Good talk with uh, Scott Varlick. Always. Koima, Koima Varlick. Cattleman, through and through. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Seed stock producer as well seed stock producer as well the guy does it all yep um however it was interesting how he kept referring back to that other guy we had on this morning who said sell cattle and buy hogs <laughs> uh it was kind of an interesting sort of i don't know what you might call it an interesting juxtaposition on on the same sort of market setup here yeah. Um, Scott certainly feels like, and he's adamant here, I can pull out a couple of examples from my notes here where he's expecting uh, feeders to be the feature if there is to be a rally back to recent highs. Mm-hmm. Feeders will be the ones to get us there. Can we talk about that a little bit? You bet. You bet. Uh, also, on Bubba with his uh, buy hog, sell cattle, mm-hmm. if he's doing that on the spread, it, it – You've got to take that comment as a spread trade only. Oh, that's a good point. Yep. Okay. It's a whole different strategy. A whole, exactly. Yes. Exactly. All Bubba is thinking in that comment is that if you're looking at the two markets and the one that's been beat down the most, even though we had a bloodbath in cattle, over the long haul, it's been the hog market that's been beat up the worst. Therefore, in an extended recovery, you should see hogs gain at a faster rate than cattle. So he's trading the spread there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had to laugh when he's when when Scott said, "Come on, Bubba, I thought this was a family show or whatever, <laughs> whatever yes. it was that he said." Yes, it, it's because talk you know talking lower cattle prices in the uh, uh, in the uh, current environment with mm-hmm. with what's happening on the supply side, you know bearish cattle is a dirty word uh and and especially when you're talking to anybody involved in the cattle industry if they've got any exposure to the physical side of the cattle trade talking lower prices in this environment just does not make any sense to them it it doesn't matter how much money is already piled onto the long side of the market and given opportunity to offset future risk with what we saw back in September, okay, uh, none of that really matters. It's Here's what it is today. 
And I get that. I, I mean, I completely get that. That's, that, that is the heart and soul of the, of the cattle market. So it's, uh, it, it's something that, that we've, uh, that, that we have to deal with. Now, the reason that feeders, that, that Scott is talking about, you know, feeders being the leader is, I, I think it's because if you're going to just break the market back down to the basic fundamentals, is the supply getting bigger or is the supply getting smaller? When it comes to the when it comes to the cattle market, not the beef market. When it comes to the cattle market, there's not much sign that numbers are getting bigger going into 2024. Like Scott said, we're killing way too many heifers in the slaughter process to to build this cow herd. We there there are some other influences, uh, you know, with the beef coming out of the dairy industry, with with feeder cattle coming out of Mexico, coming out of Canada. There's other influences there, but that that calf market is going to be tight through 2024. So if there is an opportunity for a rally, it starts with feeders, just based on the on the mm-hmm. supply side. Huh. Now. The cattle side, because it has a a greater influence from the beef market, it the, the supply is a little more uncertain. Our numbers could be down one percent, but if it's offset by a one percent increase in the carcass weights and 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 overall beef production, well then it's a wash. Look at what's going on in the hog industry. We've got fewer farrowings, but it's offset by more pigs per litter. So. There, there's all these subtle washes that are happening on the supply side of the fed cattle market that really don't exist on the feeder cattle market. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Yep. Yep. Uh, we talked yesterday with, with uh, Don Rose, U.S. Commodities. Yeah. Um, and we, I mean, there was an, an illusion an allusion there that customers are maybe starting to price shop a little bit for proteins here. And now yeah. we see Scott Varlick talking about at the meat case, maybe retailers pulling back a little bit to keep shoppers in the stores in January. Right. Right. Um, and it, I, we're, we are at a really, really critical point in figuring out what the demand picture is going to be for beef and proteins in general, but beef in particular for most of the year, Davis. I mean, we're going to figure it out here over the next 30 days, I think. That's why I'm so happy we've got Glenn Tonzer on Mm -hmm. the show tomorrow morning from K-State with with his uh, meat demand uh, monitor. Mm-hmm. It, it and and uh, we'll learn what that has been telling us and try to take what we've learned, push it forward, and see if it turns into any kind of a projection on what that might mean for beef demand going forward. But we're there. Mm-hmm. We're we're, we're going to be setting the stage over. I think I think the next thirty days we're going to be setting the stage 
and the consumer messages to the retailers and retailers to the wholesalers is going to be made much more clear over the next 30 days, I think. So I th- it, it's important that we have that conversation with Glenn. 610 day, January 16th through the 20th, below normal temperatures across the heart of the belt, below normal precipitation across most of the Corn Belt as well. Like I said, we're going to have a conversation with Glenn Tonzer tomorrow morning. We're also going to talk with the folks at Growth Energy about SREs and tomorrow afternoon. Clark Neighbors, BIS Commodities will get us ready for Friday's reports.